in technology and, and data at UC Irvine. Um, you know, I, I have a role that spans across all of UC Irvine. I don't directly work as, a, as an operating executive of the health system, but I do a lot of work with the health system. You know, I love what Stephen just talked about. Stephen, I love what you just talked about, and I hate what you just talked about. Right. The part I hate is you stole a little bit of my thunder, man. You're going to see some of the same things. But you just validated a lot of things that we're doing, you know, in terms of really thinking of our expansive use of data and how to think about how it transforms not the way, just the way we operate, but the way the industry operates through the use of ecosystems. So I'm going to be building on what you're going to do. I apologize for some of the pictures that kind of say the same thing. Uh, but let me start by how I kind of got here. You know, I came into uh, healthcare, you know, through a non-traditional tack. Um, I actually got involved in the medical device space uh, in, at the time of the internet when uh, people were trying to figure out this new medium and how it was going to change things. Um, and uh, that led to me seeing some really interesting things as I, I got into the healthcare uh, business where people were spending a lot of money for devices, but when I watched the behavior of, for example, radiologists, they were making decisions based on the image not on the, you know, that we could change out the $2 million scanner, but the image, the data, and what they could do with the data and how they could annotate the data was what they were making decisions on. And that caught my attention. Uh, when the medical device company finally decided they needed to get into the health, uh, health software, health tech business, they reached out to a person like me, you know, who had kind of a tech background and, and actually asked me to run, build and run their companies. And that's when I started to see, and it's interesting looking at Stephen's slide talking about the timing uh, of really the push for electronic health records. When we were trying to drive departmental solutions, I said, this is actually gonna kill our business because what's gonna happen is the electronic health record is gonna take over. And while people like Mark and Dreesen were out there saying things like software is eating the world, what that meant to us in healthcare is that, you know, we were adopting a very software-driven mentality, which ultimately was gonna generate more and more data. And I was the person running around the medical device company saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what type of ICU monitor we have, we need to make sure it plugs into the electronic health record. And I, that was heresy if you were inside a medical device company at the time, as you can imagine. Uh, and so when I came to the university, I, was, I got involved in really trying to figure out how do we aggregate bigger and bigger data sets, because I could see that what was gonna happen in healthcare was gonna be about what you could do with data was gonna be driving to the future, because that's what the, the federal government was trying to instill, and that's where, uh, that is where things are trying to take us. And so this is kind of a version of what Stephen put up, which is what's happening now is we're going through a data explosion. It's much more than about the, the electronic health record from my perspective. It's really about you know, uh, whether it's uh, from a phenotype, genotype, meta metabolic, proteomic, molecular level, understanding behaviors and environments, we are essentially digitizing the human experience. And all that data is going somewhere and we're trying to figure out how do we collect that data, how do we aggregate, curate that data, and how do we actually put it to use for the benefit of the patient, whether it's at an individual level or a population level. And I'd be interested to see if Steven's got a better number than this. One of the things that I've been trying to study is what percentage of the data is actually being used in healthcare decision making, and the best number I've been able to come up with is between six and eight percent of the health data that we're handling is actually used to help make, uh, help make decisions in healthcare. Clearly, we should be able to do better than that for all this data we're collecting and all the money that we're spending for the software and the devices to actually generate the data. Uh, concurrent to that, uh, there were some great things in Stephen's presentation about back, putting data back in the hands of the patient, putting the patient back in control. 
less than 1% of the data uh, that's generated in healthcare actually ends up back in the patient's control to actually let them be a health consumer to drive their choices as well as try, uh, to drive their behaviors. One of the things that you see from the open note study is that when presented with the clinician notes, almost two-thirds of patients say it actually helps them understand their condition and actually helps them make a better decision that will lead to a better health outcome for themselves. And so this is the slide that I use to say, you know, what are we doing? Data in and of itself is not valuable. Uh, data needs to be collected and curated and contextualized, put into the hands of subject matter experts who can do interesting things with it. More and more, it's not just one subject matter expert, but, you know, in a type of environment that I work in, what we're trying to do is to bring multiple uh, subject matter experts together, practice whether it's interdisciplinary research or interdisciplinary problem solving. What we're trying to do is to generate more and more insights. And actually, if you think about you know, data and the use of machine learning, what you're trying to get to is wisdom, repeated decision making. You're studying other industries. I've got a colleague uh, from another industry who says, look, here's the way we think about data. We think about making better decisions faster, more consistently, and ultimately at scale. And so I've really taken that paradigm saying, how does that apply to an environment like healthcare? Are we really using this data and actually making better decisions tomorrow? Are we making them faster? And are we actually taking them to scale and building our strategy around that? Because having been a technology professional and a functional executive, a business executive, and I've run uh, health, healthcare software businesses on four continents, it comes down to this is not about hype. You can make it about hype. A lot of vendors are trying to get your attention but through hype, but it's really back to the basics of what we have this data for and what we're trying to do with it, right? At a business level, it's just like any other organization. So when I talk to our executives, like, look, we have goals, we're trying to achieve our goals. We're trying to figure out and leverage our competitive advantage, and we're trying to spawn new opportunities from a business level. From a patient outcome level, I think it's always been clear, it's about better outcomes, right? Whether they be clinical outcomes, quality outcomes, cost outcomes, equity outcomes. And if you talk to, you know, digital uh, first companies, the companies that are really moving the needle, the ones that are really, really generating the type of growth that we aspire to as organizations, the type of margins, the type of market valuations, what they'll say is that data is strategic for what we're doing because we're following that faster, more consistent, and making decisions at scale. And it's all through the use of data and getting from data all the way to wisdom. And so when I came to UCI, leveraging my experience as a business executive, as a technologist, and someone who was asked to come to the institution and really say, how do we infuse the thinking around technology and, and more importantly now data in terms of how we do things, we launched an initiative called the Collaboratories at UCI. The concept of the collaboratory is really about how do we bring diverse data together in the context of healthcare. The way to think about that is it's about how do we bring our electronic health record, our medical images, the genomic data that we have, the Fitbit data that the patient wants to send to us. How do we bring that data together, focus it around, how do we drive the right outcomes? How do we create the right impact, whether that be a population health impact or a policy impact? And because we're a academic medical center environment, we do a lot of research. How do we actually drive our research enterprise such that, you know, academic medical centers, we don't just practice medicine, we create it, but we also think about we don't just create 
new procedures, we actually put them into practice and how do we actually close down that life cycle so it's not 17 years before a patient sees the benefit of something that happened in the research lab. We've got to do a better job and the key to that we believe is through data. And so whether it's driving our research excellence and being, you know, because research is a competitive industry like any others, how do we be, put our researchers on the forefront of the next generation of research? How do we think about across what we call discover, teach, and heal in our academic medical center and full integrated health system? How do we think about transforming what we do into a living laboratory? How do we put the patient back in control and really empower the individual? I've yet to meet a person who says, I had on my life goals to become a patient. You know, we all just want to start and want to stay a health consumer as long as possible, ultimately become a patient, but it's never been our goal to be a patient. So how do we share more information back with the individual to help them make the best decisions? And that is the diversity of things that not just we touch them with in the healthcare environment, but the things that they do every life and how that data connects into our understanding of them. And then uh, Stephen talked about this. You can't do these things alone. You need to have partners. You need to think like an ecosystem player, the most successful companies today have ecosystem mentalities, meaning they're looking to grow the number of players that connect into the ecosystem, sometimes as a contributor, sometimes as someone who's extracting value, but you have to think around building ecosystems and having a set of partners who have a common vision to what you're trying to accomplish by working together. And so while this slide is all about every, every presentation, it has to have boxes and it has to have arrows. This one has the boxes, later one coming with the arrows. I'd like you to remember this picture because this is how I talk, you know, just generically about a picture says a thousand words about what is a collaboratory. The collaboratory is about a fluid asset that I like to call data. Data is not the new oil for me. Oil is sticky. It sticks to your feet. I've got a kid up in Santa Barbara. If you ever go walking on the beach, come off like, oh, it's got oil in my feet. Data needs to be fluid. ONC's done a great job of, you know, and the federal government, I think, has done a great job of trying to make data more fluid in our society. I did so much when I first came to UCI about just freeing the data and putting it in the hands of people who could actually do something interesting with it. And for example, during the height of the COVID pandemic, UCI published more papers around COVID patients than all, other, all the other UCs combined, just because we gave data to people who could do something interesting with it and incented them to share and collaborate with others. And so there's a fluidity here, and you got some data dudes floating around. This is all about freeing the data and allowing it to be frictionless to be able to connect people who can do something novel, interesting, and impactful. And I love this. This just recently came out in Nature Magazine. It really, I think, talks to the challenges that we've got in the healthcare setting. Tremendous amount of diversity of the data. The data is coming in the form of not just the electronic health records, which we spent a lot, a lot of time talking about, but the data that's in the PACS systems and what's in the clinical trial systems. And now what we've, we want to collect around the microbiome and everyone has their genomic sequence. Maybe they got it through 23andMe and maybe we did it in the lab. Uh, more and more wearable information, that's low fidelity data. What do you do with low fidelity data in terms of combining it with high fidelity data? There's all sorts of really interesting challenges that we have in healthcare and a lot of help that we can get from the computer science, the data science, and the engineering community to interdisciplinary problem solve about how do we actually create the right type of impact? How do we create the right type of outcomes? And you can see the variety of different types of use cases of things that we're now trying to do through data. 
And so we created the Collaboratory of Health and Wellness because we have a huge focus at UCI around also the wellness component of this. How do we keep a person from becoming a patient in the first place? How do we help someone get back to living the lifestyle that they want to live? And so the Collaboratory, the data platform and analytical platform that we built we decided it needed a different type of organism to achieve its goals, to create that type of environment where we could bring interdisciplinary scientists and, and investigators together. And so it became part of an institute that we call the Institute of Precision Health. And, and you know, we represent it in terms of it's the axle that drives the whole thing, taking components of other parts of our university that we bring together, the people who are doing all the omics work, the people who are involved in the design of AI algorithms, bring that expertise, the people who are part of implementation science, how do we bring this back to the health system, and a spe very specific focus on health equity. How do we think about the equity lens through everything that we do? And so here's your chart that's got the arrows, so you can check that off the to-do list. You know, I could talk about this slide for 10 minutes in terms of what we do with our data platform and all the things that a data platform needs to have in terms of governance, role-based access, end-to-end -end providence so you know where the data come, came from and, uh, you know, how we do uh, contextualization of it. But the most important part that I like to talk about is that this is not just a static platform. I like to call it a data operating system and a facilitator of the ecosystem. It's a living, breathing system that's constantly having things flowing in and out because we try to create a frictionless. It has to have a lot of systems and processes wrapped around it in order to achieve the goals that we've set around it in terms of creating better patient outcomes for our patients. We have a saying that the 101st patient that we see should benefit from the 100 patients with that disease that we've seen before. Right. Um, you know, uh, we, we believe that uh, this is the way that medicine should be practiced, being formed by the past. Uh, certainly, the, the clinicians bring that with their experience. But here's, for example, um, you know, how we think about the process of how we bring these types of algorithms into place. And, and Stephen talked about some of this, about what it looked like from the federal level. Here's what it looks like from the standpoint of where we're at, which is how do you decide where data and machine learning predictive algorithms may help generate a better outcome for your organization. It could be a clinical one, it could be an operational one, it could be a quality and safety one. How do you, how do you vet those opportunities? How do you prioritize opportunities? Where is the governance in the organization to do those types of things? Do we have the right type of data to build a type of tool that can help us create better decision making? If we don't have the type of data, where can we get the data? Thinking about the equity components and is our data enough? Usually not. Usually this is where we reach into the ecosystem and find partners to work with to say our data plus their data is necessary to build a type of algorithm that we think is representative of populations. How do we, design, how do we put bias, bias uh, um, assessment of bias into the design at the design phase of these algorithms? So when you talk about model development, model validation, we're thinking about biases from the very beginning and we're testing it throughout the process. How do you think about building, bringing a predictive tool over into your clinical setting? As I was talking with one of my colleagues uh, from radiology last week, it's like, you know, if Netflix introduces a new predictive algorithm, all I get is a bad recommendation for my next movie. In the ICU, it's a little different story. And so there's a lot of concern and a lot of scrutiny around, you know, how do we control these things such that we don't create adverse outcomes? And so how do you create an environment where you have a predictive tool Where's your clinical sponsorship to bring it back into clinical setting? How do you set up a 
let's call it an A-B test, so that you still are working the, uh, the same way you did yesterday, but this tool is running alongside and you're testing the validity of how that model will work for you. At what point do you kind of look at the data and say, okay, we like the predictive algorithm and the clinical decision to say, I'd like this put into the clinician workflow starting next week, and then the EHR team implementing that into the clinical workflow. That whole process, we've thought a lot about using some of the federal guidelines to guide some of our thinking, but design it as a process as part of the data operating system. And then coming back to something I said earlier, how do we make a better decision? How do we do it consistently? How do we, do, how do we go from one to two to four to eight to 16 to 32? How do we generate those types of better outcomes faster and in more parts of our enterprise? And then how do we take them to scale? And so we've thought a lot about what I'll call implementation science around this. And of course, I'll talk just briefly about ecosystems. Uh, no one can do this alone. That you need partners, partners that you are close with and you align with and you build capability around, but you also need to create an open ecosystem with fast on-ramps around their data to combine with your data. Some of the standards that the federal government has come out with are, are I think, greatly going to help our ability to actually bring data together from across organizations. I, I'm an optimist by... Um, by uh, definition, and so I like to say that I, I think this is all going the right direction. For some people, too fast. For some people, too slow. But you know, again, I think we got enough checks and balances that we're moving in the right way. And it's not just about the redesign of, of, of practice, of medical practice. It's also about how do we think about informed policy decisions through data. And we've been involved in some, some, some great national initiatives because UCI had some of the best COVID inpatient um, survivability rates of anywhere in the nation. Uh, that was recognized, and so we got involved in some uh, analysis to really look at the emergency use of monoclonal antibodies and really participate in a, a, a national effort to bring some of our data-driven approaches to help expand that authorization so more patients could benefit from it. To also thinking about equity, you know, we're involved in things like uh, ACT POC, which is how do you get more uh, diverse patients into your clinical trials? How do you use real-world evidence from lots of different types of facilities, including, including the FQHCs and critical access hospitals across the country? How do you get their data, you know, into these analyses where we can take advantage of what AI and machine learning are now bringing so that we don't create greater disparities within the healthcare, uh, within the healthcare system we have in our country. Um, some final thoughts. Um, you know, for me, you know, it was interesting sitting down talking about lunch. Uh, we were talking about, I see everything as a data stream. To me, technology is about generating data. Analytics is about how do you, you know, how, how do you aggregate data? How do you combine it? How do you contextualize it? And how do you put it to use to create a better outcome or decision? Um, I'll, I'll give you a simple example of how I think beyond kind of where we normally would think. Uh, today, all of you are sitting here listening to me, and you have your brain taking in a visual input, uh, a, you know, an auditory input, um, and also the, the, the words, I say, a conversational input. Uh, all of those are data streams to me. And so if this is being recorded, uh, you can pick up the transcript of everything I've said, you could pick up the 42 facial muscles and look at actually, you know, looking at body language of what I'm doing, and you can do gets away file of the tonal analysis. I'm aware of companies that are doing AI algorithm development on all three of those areas individually. No one that I've found yet is doing across all of those. So how does that data set become, you know, now something that could complement or some type of 
predictive facilitator that is in the hands. So when we do things like telehealth, we actually are bringing actually some analytical capabilities and not just something that happens over a screen versus in person, but we actually bring some intelligence into the conversation. And some of these things start outside of healthcare. So for example, the tonal analysis and, and uh, conversational AI analysis are starting in the sales industry. Because so, because basically, and I've had this actually done to myself, I've had a sales interaction, a sales call, and they brought me back and says, here is how we'll sell to you next time we talk to you on the phone. And my thing was, I don't want to buy your product, but I find this really fascinating that you're building a profile around me just through the words that I use and the inflection in my voice. I think that's fascinating. What's the application in healthcare? And so my job is really to think about how is digital transforming the way we as an organization do everything that we do. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll say this, you know, I, mean, I think we already through the pandemic have been pushed to get more comfortable with technology than maybe we would have done by the natural process. Now we're all playing this game of is the pendulum coming back and how far, whether we're talking about telehealth or other forms of, of, of um, let's say technology enabled care models. Um, but ultimately, I think that you know, those things are going to be, I like to call it, you know, in economic, in times of great change, there's this concept called accelerating out of the curve that businesses talk about. And it's really about, you know, everyone needs to slow down going through the curve, but the really strategic companies figure out how to accelerate a little quickly out of the curve. And if you look at some of the most successful companies we talk about today, they were the ones accelerating out of the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009. I think there's a seminal opportunity for us in the healthcare industry to think about this. How are we as in, in our strategies, the organizations we're a part of, thinking about this accelerating out of the curve? It was about kind of the post-pandemic world. I also think now you have to double down on that because the economic headwinds in the healthcare industry, at least on the healthcare delivery side are such that we need to really think about, you know, how do we accelerate around the curve so that five years from now, 10 years from now, we're having the impact, you know, with our patients that we need to have. So with that, I want to say thank you and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Actually, the analysis says I'm actually a really a very depressed person, but you, know, you just can't tell that because I mask it with my tonality.